Thank you, Daniel. My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you who are online. A couple things as we begin. First of all, uh, you may notice here that we're going to celebrate communion at the close of the service. And we just want to say, if you're a visitor this morning, if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, and you belong to Jesus Christ, then we want to invite you to join us in that coming to the table of our Lord. So we invite you to, to, to partake in that. And then wanted to give you just again, if you weren't able to be here last week, an update on the Maximum Impact 2 Capital Campaign. Uh, um, with the pledges and the cash we have on hand, we're just a little bit under $2 million. But as we mentioned last week, the project we were looking at was between 3.25 and 3.75. So there's a gap there that, that uh, the, the leadership's not comfortable not dealing with. So we're going to have to talk about that. We met as council last week, Monday night, meeting again tomorrow night. Again, we'll include you in the process uh, soon. We'll be just kind of saying together, how do we want to do this? What do we want to do as we go forward? And so uh, we will do that again, con- committing to, to saying we, whatever we do, building-wise, we want to make a maximum impact. We ask you to keep this in prayer. And in fact, I want to just take a moment right now and, and let's just pray for wisdom for this as we go forward. Father, we... Uh, we, we come to you and we want to be going as fast as you want us to go, but we don't want to go any faster. We want to do what you want us to do and be what you want us to be. So we pray for your wisdom, for the leadership here at Hillside, for all of us. Give us good conversations together that we can be your people and bless your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I begin with this question. What are you afraid of? Do you have any phobias? Are, are there any things that really uh, mark you that you say, no, that's something that scares me? Not necessarily everybody else, but that scares me. I came across a list of the, the top five fears, and, and there are different ones of these, so if you Google it, you might not find the same one or whatever, but, but there, are, there are five fears that, that uh, have been recognized as the top ones in the United States, and so just see if you have any of these, uh, if you uh, share those with others. Number five, we'll start at the bottom. Number five is needles. Anybody have that fear of needles. Okay, a few of us do, all right. Number four, the dark. Afraid of the dark. Yeah, some of us are afraid of the dark because you can't see what's going on, and it's scary in the dark. Number three, spiders and snakes. Spiders and snakes. Oh, yes, Deb is saying, yeah. Not as bad as for me, alligators. I don't know why, but alligators are, are bigger than spiders and snakes to me. Number two was heights. People who are afraid of heights, all right. Uh-oh, Tim's up in the sound booth and he's afraid of heights. we got a problem. Uh, and then the number one one, and, and, and again, this one has been number one for quite a while, uh, public speaking. We are afraid of getting up in front of others. And yeah, some of you are going to, yep, that's me. I am not going to talk. I'm not going to pray. I, I, I mention all of these because I want to think about a fear with you this morning that I've never seen on one of these lists. But that I want to su- suggest in reality is perhaps number one. <laughs> One of the biggest fears many of us have. We just don't think about it this way. It's what I want to call the fear of the light. At first, it sounds crazy, right? I mean, no, we're afraid of the dark. We're not afraid of the light. The light is good. The light shows us things. The light is, is, is helpful. We can see what's happening in the light. No, we're afraid of the dark. No, I want to suggest that at a deep level, every one of us has at least some, if not a significant fear of the light. Let me give you an example from of this that might be a little bit silly, um, but that you'll be able to connect with, that you'll be able to relate to. Imagine you are in high school, and it is prom night. 
and you've been dating somebody for a, t- a while and you just want to make this night very special. You've rented a tux or bought a new dress and, 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 and you're, you, know, you, you got reservations at the nice restaurant in town. Uh, you got tickets for the dance afterwards. You're going to go. And, and there's one question left and that is transportation. And your dad, your dad has a car. It's his favorite car. He loves this car more than he loves you. And you wonder, do I dare ask dad? Now, some of you are saying, well, yeah, but what about a female? I will just tell you that sometimes females drive to proms and junior, senior banquets. When I was a senior, I had a little meeting with an officer of the law, and Tammy drove. It was a a misunderstanding. It wasn't really that fast. But anyway, so she drove. But anyway, imagine that. You ask your dad, and amazingly, he says yes. He says yes, you can take the car. And so you go and you're driving and, and, and you go to the restaurant and there's an SUV and just beyond it is a parking spot and you come and you're pulling in and, and you hear behind you that, that horrible sound of scratching and you feel just a little bit of a bump and you say no, 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 that didn't happen, that didn't happen. You open your door a little bit and you look back and you can't see anything but then you realize it's dark so the SUV is blocking any of the lights so you pull back out and, and you get out of the car, and as you walk back, you see this. And you realize life as you've known it is over. It, 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 you can't believe this happened. You go through the rest of the night. Uh, you go to the dinner, but the food doesn't taste like anything. You go to the dance, but you just don't have the moves like Jagger. You, you, you do all of that stuff, and then finally about 11.45, you pull into the garage at home. You sit in the car, mom and dad are in bed, you sit in the car, the garage door light goes out and it's dark. And you get out and you look and you realize in the dark you can't see anything. At that moment you realize that darkness is your best friend. And you pray and you say, Lord, what if there's no electricity anymore? And what if the sun doesn't rise tomorrow? Darkness is your best friend. You can't see it in the dark. It's the light that's the problem. You know you're okay as long as it stays dark. But once it becomes light, then all of a sudden, you are going to be shown for what you are. And that's why I want to say that in reality, you and I spend a ton of time being afraid of the light. Because the light exposes things. The, the light shows the dents, the sins, the, the, the failures in our own lives. And many times, the reality is we prefer the dark. We don't want people to see those things. We all have things we want to keep hidden. We all have things that, that we don't want anybody else to see, that we want to cover up, that we want to just try to pretend aren't there. But then the light comes on and they're exposed. This idea of hiding our sins, of covering up, goes way back to the very beginning. It was some of the first reaction of Adam and Eve, our first parents, when they sinned. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, Genesis 1 and 2, we read about God created everything, and it was very, very good, right? Everything was very good. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they say, God, we're going to do it our way. And they eat of the tree, and, and, and then two things happen. They do two things. The first is they hide from each other. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The first (laughs) cover-up. 
occurred very quickly after the first sin. They, they now had distance between them. Uh, never since then have people been able to have fully open relationships because we always have something to hide. We always have something we cover up. And so the first thing they did is they covered up and they hid things from each other, and, and then they hid things from God. Then the man and his wife, verse 8, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they what? They hid. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. That's what happens. The light is dangerous. Being found out is dangerous. So many of us, we all have things that we want to keep hidden. And for so many of us, one of our biggest fears is people finding out what I'm really like. People seeing where, what I've always done, what I have done, what I wish I hadn't done. People seeing where I haven't done things that I should have done. In order to deal with this, we've become experts we become experts at, at what Adam and Eve there in verses 7 and 8, at, at covering up, at hiding. And, and here are some of the strategies that I use that I know you use as well. First one is this, we deny. I, I didn't do anything. Dad, it must have been, there was an SUV next to me, and he must have backed out and hit me. I don't know, I, I didn't do anything, I never. And, and, and you and I do that over and over again. I never said that. Have you ever said to somebody, I guess I never got your text. I guess I never got your email. Didn't hear that. I misunderstood. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. And we deny and we deny. I, I never had a relationship with that woman, right? I mean, we just do it over and over and over again. But when there's enough light that we can't do that, then we go to number two. We blame. It's not my fault. That guy was parked in my, in my parking spot. He was way over the line, Dad. That's really what happened. It's not my fault. It was his fault. It was he shouldn't have done that. He was where. And, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have hit you if you hadn't said that. That's never acceptable. I, I wouldn't look at this if you were more affectionate. I wouldn't drink so much if I had a little respect from you. I wouldn't do that. You see, in reality, it's your fault. In fact, sometimes we, we blame God. Imagine again, let's go back to the, to the high school student. And, and I think one of our kids, you might guess which one, tried this with us. Saying, it's your fault. You should have known I was too irresponsible to drive that car. And we laugh, but look at what Adam says in verse 12. The man said, the woman, the, the woman you put here, God, the woman you put here, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So really, God, it's your fault. If you hadn't had that, made that woman so beautiful, if you hadn't made this, this, if you hadn't done this, God, it's your fault. But I'm not a problem, God. I didn't do anything wrong. We deny, we blame we compare is what I usually do next. Well, yeah, but Jimmy Johnson, he totaled his dad's car last night. Yeah, I do this, but I don't do that. I don't have an affair. I'm not like somebody who's doing this all the time. I'm not like that. And, 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 and we compare. You say, I'm not as bad as everybody else. And again, friends, it's all because we're afraid of the light. And I'll tell you, I find myself doing this so regularly, I, I, because I was aware of it this week because I'm preaching on it, I just found myself, just, I caught myself saying, 
I'll just tell them I never got their email. I just, and I thought, well, look at this. What am I doing? I'm doing exactly what keeps us just stuck. So we deny, we blame, we compare, and then sometimes we try to fix it ourselves. I really have never been exactly in that same situation as I described, but I have woken up in the morning and said, Dad, uh, I'm going to go clean the car and try for all my life to figure out a way to fill in the scratches and, and to buff out the... the, the I, I, maybe I, I can fix it. Maybe if I'm really good now, I can take care of it. Maybe I... The blame is done. done. And, and, and friends, the reason I, I, I take these so seriously is because none of them work. None of them work. And, and for so many of us, we only dig ourselves a deeper hole. And I think one of the greatest sources of pain in our lives is our fear of the light. It's our fear of really acknowledging that we're sinners, that we're broken, that we've failed, that we've blown it, that we sit before God and we are guilty. And there is something inside of us that says, no, I'm not. I'm not as bad as that person and I'm not as bad as that person and I've done a lot of good and I've done this and that. And we, and we end up just stuck because we're covering up and we're hiding and deep down we know Here's the problem. I don't know, maybe I have an overactive conscience. I don't think I do. I think all of us have those moments at whenever it is, 2 o'clock in the morning, where deep down we know we've failed. That we've sinned. And even worse, we're sinners. (laughs) We're the kind of people who do this over and over again. I'm the kind of person who would get given tempted to take a shortcut to not have to pay a price for something. It's so strong because there's something wrong inside of me. We are sinners, and the Bible says it, and, and, and we claim to know it. But this is one of the hardest things for us to grasp. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yep, that's true, pastor, for everybody else. Did you ever say to somebody, I did this wrong, and they said, yeah, you did? The feeling you have next tells you whether you've owned it or not. Because if you say, well, but, 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 no, I did. We're sinners. Friends, that's the bad news. But but the good news is I didn't become a pastor to tell you bad news. The good news is I didn't tell you, become a pastor to tell you that, that you're all just lost. I became a pastor to tell you there's good news. In fact, there's great news. There, there's great news for people like me, for people like you who are afraid of the light. And that is that Jesus Christ was born. Jesus Christ came to be with us. He is Emmanuel. He is God himself, the high and holy one, the perfect one. He was born. And, and understand this, friends. Jesus came not primarily to point out our sins. I was going to say not to point out our sins, but the fact is there were some people, (laughs) religious people, the really hyper-religious people who thought they were better than ever. Jesus confronted them. But for the most part, he said, you all know. You know. You're not the people you should be. You don't say the things you should say. You don't love others the way you ought to love others. He didn't come to point out our sins. <laughs> he knew that we know deep down. No, he came to take on our sins. 
He came to take our place. He was, as we sing, born to die. Born to pay the price for our sins. The Bible tells us this over and over again. The prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 6. That's 700, 750 years before Jesus was born. He looks forward and he sees someone who's going to come and save God's people. All of us, he says, are like sheep. We have wandered away from God. All of us have turned to our own way. But this is what God has done. And the Lord has laid on him the servant, on Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He's laid on him the sins of us all. And those, my friends, are the only words that give us hope. Those are the only words that can set us free. We are forgiven. John the Baptist, in John 1, verse 29. John the Baptist has a crowd, and he's been calling people to repent. He's been telling people, you're not the kind of people you should be. He, he did what I did the first part of this sermon, and he said, you know what, you are all... And then one time he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, behold... Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, look there, friends, is the Lamb, the one who will be sacrificed, the Lamb of God who was born to die, who will take away our sins. That's why you can repent. That's why you can confess. That's why you can do this. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. We talked about that two weeks ago, and we said that he's God with us in our confusion when we don't understand what's happening. Last week we talked about when the storms of life strikes, strike and, and it doesn't feel like anybody is there, when it feels like we're all alone. God is with us. But I want to tell you, the one today is the one that perhaps more than any other should blow our minds because Jesus is God with us in our failures. He who had no sin was made to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ didn't come just again to point out what we did wrong. Jesus Christ came not to sin but to take our sin onto himself. He came to take our place. He came so we could be free. Like I said, I think so much of the pain of this world, so much of the struggle of this world is, is caused by me trying to pretend I'm a better person than I am, by me trying to cover it up. But he came so we could be forgiven. And, and what I want to do with just a couple of minutes here before we come to the table is do something really basic, but something that's the core of the gospel, and ask this question, how do we receive that forgiveness? You see, Christianity, is, I, I think this is so interesting. It's simple enough that a six-year-old can understand it. We sinned. Jesus died on the cross, and we are forgiven. It's that simple, but it is so hard sometimes. And and I want to suggest that to receive that, there are three things we need to do. And and the first two are especially difficult. The first one is the one I've been talking about, uh, kind of setting us up. We, We confess our sins. If, if we're going to experience forgiveness, what we've got to do is we've got to bring it to light. We've got to own it. We've got to put it out there. That means we stop. We stop denying, blaming, and comparing. I, 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 again, I, that's so hard for me because it's so much easier to say, I never saw it. I never said that. I never did that, whatever. It's so much easier to just deny than to say, no, I did that. 
And I'm not saying y'all did the worst things in the world. I'm not saying you're all as bad as anybody. But the fact is, I don't need to worry about anybody else, okay? I just need to own what I've done. And what I've done is plenty bad. I've got to stop trying to fix it on my own. To say, well, if I'm nice to this person now, then it's even. And if I'm nice to this person, then God has to forgive me, right? If I do this for somebody else, then God has to take one away from that column. And so many of the people in our culture, they kind of say, yeah, overall, overall the good I think outweighs the bad. So I'm not afraid to meet God. And our good never outweighs our bad. It just never does. Not to say we don't do any good. Not to say we don't try to fix things. We don't try to, try to get back. Friends, we're just, we've dented the car. We've sinned. Got to stop worrying about anybody else. We just got to stop all that. And, and then we own it. Capital I did this. I said this. I thought this. I wanted that. And I don't have to say, yeah, but what about that person? Yeah, but if she hadn't, then I, I did it. I don't care what Jimmy Johnson did with his dad's car. I did this. And we ask for forgiveness. We say, Jesus, forgive me. And, and again, I've said this before, but this is what I keep reminding myself of because I do this. I I remind myself when I don't deserve forgiveness. This is why we have a sense when people say, I did this wrong. If somebody says, I'm sorry, and then says, but let me explain the situation, they're not confessing. Because what we're saying is, I don't deserve to be forgiven. It's only your love. It's only your grace. There's no excuse. I can't even promise it'll never happen again. That's hard. That is no fun to be at that place. This is why we don't like the light. Jesus is the light of the world, and part of what he does is he shows us who we are. But friends, confessing our sins, owning those things, saying I did it, is the first step to finally being free. Okay, it's the first step. And it is the only way we can find that will genuinely bring us to a place where the second thing is, and again, this is hard for some of us, but we need to dare to believe. We dare to dare to believe in God's amazing grace. Some of us have been raised in situations where we are deeply aware of our guilt. I have just, I'm sorry, but I know I've been just beating you up. You've been feeling it all, saying, oh, that's right. That's such a worm am I. I am so, I can't, I know it. I just can't own it. I just can't, it's just so, because I, I, I know God has forgotten me. I know God can't care about me. I know nobody can put up with me what I've done. Nobody can do that. And I want to tell you this, friends. We may underestimate our brokenness, but we also underestimate God's amazing grace. God's amazing grace is so much bigger. I mean, the Bible makes it clear that our sins are washed away. We have to dare to believe that God loves us. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but if, if, if you knew what I really did, Ron, 
If you know what I really did, if you know how much I hurt that person, if you know what I did, you know that God doesn't love me. Baloney, he absolutely loves you. He absolutely loves you. And his grace is enough to wash away all our sins. Friends, this is how we get the dents out. This is where freedom comes. 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Memorize that verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all righteousness. Friends, if we confess, God will forgive whatever you have done, okay? And some of us just need to know that it's okay. That's why communion is so important because we taste this. And I am gonna be praying my heart out that those of you who struggle with daring to believe that God can still love you are gonna feel, taste, and experience and know his love as you take this bread, as you drink this cup. Because he took your sins, man. He wants you to know that you are forgiven. We have to dare to believe in God's amazing grace. And then third, we start again. In a new direction. Knowing that we'll veer off course. Knowing that we'll mess up. But we do so in grace. Of knowing that God's grace is enough for us. Friends, God's grace is so big. We confess, we dare to believe, and then we start again. God is with us. And, and it's true, his knowledge is amazing. He knows everything. Jesus knows everything. But his grace is even more amazing. I tell you this, his grace is even more amazing. And he looks at us and he says, I got it covered. Imagine that young man, imagine you getting up in the morning. You go out to the car. Actually, no, let's imagine it this way. You go to your dad. You say, Dad, I blew it. I'm sorry. I, may, I, I did it. There was no excuse. Your dad says, come here. He goes out to the garage and he's already fixed it. I love you, okay, son? Okay, daughter? Can you, what would that feel like to, to, at that moment when you confess? You say, God, Father, I, I, I've blown it. Dad, <laughs> I made a mistake. And he says, come here. That's what your Father in heaven says. It's been paid, friends. Dare to believe in his amazing grace. It's there for us. My question is just, will we receive it? Friends, this is such a good gift. There is no other name that can save us. There is no other way we can be set free. But please, this morning, know this. If you confess it, it's gone. You are loved by God, and His grace is enough. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. We thank you that you promised to meet us in this table. Father, we admit that there are a lot of things that we've tried to cover up. We want to look good and strong and act like we've got it together. But we're scared. And scared of the dark, but also scared of the light. Show us your grace. 
Show us your mercy. Fill us with the power of your spirit so we can begin again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.